And uh, there's a lot of stuff in here, a lot of things we can learn uh, from this passage. And um, in chapter 1, we saw Daniel being established as a prophet, uh, where Nebuchadnezzar began to see him as someone that is very wise. And, um, and uh, in chapter 2, we're going to see at the end of the chapter, and it's interesting because at the end of each one of these chapters, you see Daniel promoted. Uh, he's promoted somewhat in chapter 1. In chapter 2, he's promoted to a very high position in Babylon. In fact, he's ruler over the whole province of Babylon by the end of this chapter. And so you see him being established here, and that's, why do you think that is? You think that God just wants to use him to change Babylon? No, God did that, I believe, for Israel. I believe that he put someone in that position to, for his people. Even though they're under uh, bondage and they're under siege and they're in captivity, God is always taking care of his people, Israel. Amen? So in Daniel chapter 2, we're going to look at this. If you need a handout sheet, just make sure you raise your hand up. I think the boys already beat me to it. Amen? All right. And I'm not going to go through this, read through the whole chapter for the sake of time. I'm going to go through this in sections just so uh, we can get through this in a timely fashion here. We're not going to get done anyways, but I just wanted to um, uh, start with the first couple of verses here. So number one, we're going to look at an internal stirring, an internal stirring. Daniel chapter 2, verse number 1, says this, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled, and his spirit and his sleep break from him. And so Nebuchadnezzar didn't just have a dream. This night was filled with a whole bunch of dreams. You ever had a night like that? Where you just bombarded with different types of dreams? And that's what Nebuchadnezzar was going through here. But these were very uh, pointed dreams sent by God himself. And the strange thing at the end of all of this, Nebuchadnezzar couldn't remember any of his dreams. Ever had that? Had a dream, you knew there was a dream there, but you forgot what it was. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was having that problem. He couldn't remember this dream and the dreams that were, he was getting all night long uh, from the Lord. And so this created a problem. Now the first thing I want to just point out here, letter A, is God's work is a spiritual work. Notice where it says, wherewith his spirit was troubled. So God's doing something here. He wants to reveal something. Where does he start? Does he start by doing something outside? Does he do a miracle? Does he change something on the outside? No. The first point of contact here was the spirit of Nebuchadnezzar. And it caused his spirit to be troubled. And that just shows you once again how that God always does a spiritual work first. He's always working in the heart of men, and that's what he's doing with Nebuchadnezzar here. He's, he's, he's aiming at the spirit. But because he didn't have the capacity to understand, the capacity to know the Lord, his spirit was troubled with this. And in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27, it says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. So your spirit, now Nebuchadnezzar was not a born-again believer here. Uh, he wasn't saved at this point. I believe he does get saved later on, but at this point he wasn't. And yet he still had a spirit. See, some people think that lost people don't have a spirit. No, the only difference with their spirit and your spirit as a born-again believer is, is that your spirit has been made alive. It contains life. Uh, their spirit has no life because the only thing that can uh, regenerate a spirit is God's life, his power. Amen. 
And so being born again means that he's entering into your spirit and making it alive and instead of dead. Now, what does the word dead mean? You guys remember? We've talked about that in the past. What is dead? Is dead mean doesn't exist? No. Dead means separate. Separate. So if you're dead in your sins, you're separated because of your sins. And we see that in Isaiah, how that your, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And so when a person is not saved, they are separated from God, which makes their spirit dead. And so here God, he's giving Nebuchadnezzar a, a dream, and yet his spirit has not been made alive. And so that causes his, him some issues here. But the Bible tells us in Proverbs 20, verse 27, that the spirit is the candle of the Lord. That means that's the way that he peers into your heart is through your spirit. Amen? And it reveals the inward parts of the belly. Now, so you got a spirit and you got a belly. And it's not talking about this belly. Amen? Even though this belly can kind of reflect sometimes our spiritual belly. But our belly is really, it's talking about there are appetites, our desires, uh, those things that connect us to this world. So whenever it's talking about the belly in the scriptures, the spirit is the part of you that connects with God. The belly is a part of you that connects with the world. Amen? And so the, the spirit is given to you as a candle in you so that he can search the inward part of your belly, your inner desires, and how you're connecting with this world. And so that's how he deals with you. Amen? All right, and so letter B, a troubled spirit causes sleeplessness. So if you've ever had a time in your life where you couldn't sleep, I can't get to sleep. <laughs> That's probably because you've got a problem in your spirit uh, where your fellowship between you and your God isn't the way it ought to be. Uh, because in Psalm 127 verse 1 it says this, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. And so he's saying it's fruitless for you to sit there and try to make any changes or try to think that somehow you're going to protect yourself, you're going to protect your family, you're going to build the house, it's all resting on you. Uh, the problem is when you take that responsibility of God upon yourself, you will lose sleep. Amen? And that's many times how it is. It's a, it's a lack of trusting God is why it is that our spirit becomes agitated. And that's why many times we can't sleep at night. Amen. But he gives his beloved sleep if we're willing to say, you know what, Lord, you're building my house. Uh, I, I know I, everything is vain if you're not involved in my life. You're keeping the city. You're, you're watching my walls. You're my protector. Amen. How many times have people worried all night long because they were afraid of something and they weren't trusting God to be their protector? He says, it's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, and to eat the bread of sorrows, for he giveth his beloved sleep. Amen? So it's a great passage there. So his spirit was troubled. That means it was stirred. It was agitated. Um, so internal spiritual problems cannot be healed by changing your circumstances. Amen? So basically, it's not going to help you to go change stuff out, out in your life to get peace in your heart. That starts with God. He works in your spirit. You need to let him do that. Amen? Uh, letter C, 
dreams are not God's way of speaking to his people today. God's word is. Amen? And we've got to remember that. Uh, Jeremiah 23, verse 25, it tells us about dreams that prophets were having. It says, I have heard what the prophet said, that prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. I don't know if you ever had somebody come to you, oh, I've dreamed, and I don't know if you ever met a, a prophet, <laughs> you know, that was dreaming visions and so forth. Oh, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his late neighbor, as their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal. The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream, and, that, and he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff? To the wheat, saith the Lord. That means you go ahead, you take your dreams, and you tell everybody about your dreams. But he says, you know what? You true prophets that are preaching my word, you just keep preaching the word faithfully. He says, what is the chaff to the wheat? That means what threat are your dreams to my message? <laughs> Amen. He is not too concerned about it. And it, did it, it goes on to say, is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that use their tongues and say, he saith. Oh, the Lord said. Well, that better be, thus saith the Lord from the scriptures, amen. Behold, I'm against them that prophesy false dreams, saith the Lord, and do tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their lightness. Yet I sent them not nor commanded them. Therefore they shall not profit this people at all, saith the Lord. Now that's Old Testament. So we're dealing with prophets that are dealing at that time with an unfinished canon of Scripture, which means they don't have the whole Bible. And so the Lord used different methods. He used different ways to communicate His truth. That's why He was speaking to Nebuchadnezzar through this dream. But the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. And so today, he does not use those divers manners in, in the sundry times and divers manners that he did in the time past. He doesn't use those same methods anymore. He is completely switched over to speaking to us by his son. And that's where people say, well, yes, his son gave me a dream. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that he speaks through the Spirit of God, and he spoke to the apostles where they wrote it down in a book. And when they wrote down in that book, they distributed it to the churches. The, even though you have a red-letter Bible, uh, even the black letter are the words of Christ. He gave you the whole Bible, the whole New Testament, that was strictly through the words of the Son of God. The Son of God gave you Matthew to Revelation, personally. That's what the Bible says in these last days. He's spoken unto us by His Son. He is the only way that we're getting truth today, all right? So when you start talking about, oh, I'm speaking in tongues, and I'm, I'm uh, having a dream, and so forth, you be very careful because you may not know what you're really saying. 
You may be attacking the very Son of God with your doctrine and things that you're trying to say. Because if Jesus Christ is the only way we're going to get God's word today, we got to be very careful that, that, that we believe what the Bible says. <laughs> and that's exactly what the truth is. And if you go to John chapter 14, uh, 13 and 14, what you're going to find is he, him saying some things. He says, after I'm giving, I'll give you the comforter, he says, I will guide you into all truth. So after he sends the Spirit of God at Pentecost, the Bible says, at that point, I will guide you in all truth through the Spirit. Now, the primary interpretation of that passage is how that he is going to guide the apostles as they are recounting the past ministry of Christ, the Gospels, and so forth. And he even said that, I'll bring to mind those things that I have done. Then also he added to that, he says, and those things to come. Amen. So you're not going to have the Holy Spirit of God coming to you and telling you what the future is. But he did come and tell the apostles, that's why the Apostle Paul taught about the rapture, the second coming, and so forth. John wrote Revelation, and that was because it was given to them to write down in a book. Amen? So the word of Christ is the word of God, the Bible. All right? And so let's not just look at this account here with Daniel and think that somehow I'm going to wait for a dream tonight and I'm going to see a great image. <laughs> that's not, that's not going to happen. Amen? God's not going to do that to you. And, and if you think you've got that, go to Jeremiah chapter 23 and be very careful. <laughs> Amen? Is not my word like a hammer that breaketh a rock in pieces? Amen? Number two, let's look at an impossible scenario. In, chap, in chapter 2, verse 2, it says... Then the king commanded to call all the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans, for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. Then it goes on to say, And the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. Now, Syriac, of course, that's a language that actually came out of Syria. And that, so that was more from the north. And it was, a, it was a very prominent language during that day. And in fact, they, they call it Aramaic. And so if you go to the original text of Daniel, you have a great portion of Daniel written in Aramaic, not in Hebrew. So not all the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. It was also written in Aramaic because that's the time that they were in captivity in Babylon. And so from Daniel chapter 2, verse number 5, all the way to Daniel chapter 7 was written in Aramaic. Amen? So that's interesting when you start thinking of that stuff. Anyways, uh, the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If you will make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, or if you shall not make known unto me with interpretation of, you shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made a dunghill. <laughs> wow. But if you show the dream and the interpretation thereof, you shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. Then, answered, then they answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation of it. You see what they're doing here. That's what the psychics will want to do for you. <laughs> you know, you, you call the psychic hotline. Uh, you go into the world today. They operate on what you tell them or what they see or what they know about people. Amen. 
Uh, you get, sometimes you get duped pretty good by these people. Oh, they know my future. They know nothing. <laughs> Amen. They know nothing. And if they do know that you're going to win a lottery and all of a sudden you do, can I tell you something? The demonic world is connected. But it's not a spiritual work. It's not a work for your good. Do you know that demons can send messages to one another and they can work it out for you to win a lottery to turn your heart away from God? Now, if, you're, if you don't think so, you're a foolish person. And there's many people in this world that have fallen into that trap. Well, it was true. <clears throat> I don't care if it's true. If they gave me a million dollars, I'm not following the devil <laughs> for anything. You understand that? I will go with the Lord. I will follow what he's got to say. It may not get me a million dollars, but sure is going to give me a lot of joy and peace in my life. Amen? And so, uh, anyways, the king answered and said, I know of a certainty that you would gain the time because you see the thing is gone for me. So what he's saying there, you're buying time, fellas. (laughs) You're buying time. You're trying to prolong this because I've just said something that you're going to die if you don't do this. You're prolonging this. So maybe if, if, I, if I can keep this going long enough, I may change my mind of killing you. They didn't have an answer. They were false. They were deceivers. Amen. And so I'm going to go to a couple of points here. In the letter A, um, heathen help. Heathen help. So this is an impossible scenario here. And the first thing about this impossible scenario is that they have heathen help. Not God's help. And they're asking these heathens to somehow give them something that these heathens cannot give them. And so when the Lord is doing something, seeking heathen help is futile. I've told people this so often. You've got a problem in your life. You don't go to the psychiatrist. The Bible says, ye that are spiritual, restore such a one. The Bible gives us as spiritual people, God's people, the onus to help people in their spiritual problems. We don't, just because they got a PhD and they sound smart, doesn't mean they'll help you. That's heathen help. These guys were very good. They were very prominent. They were very rich. They were very important. They were very powerful. But they were also very useless. You get that. And that's the same thing we have going on today. <laughs> and yet people are going all over the place to find help and they're not getting it. It usually ends up where they give them a bottle of pills. And that's the way, oh, they're fixed. <laughs> you know? Or they label you something with something that cannot be fixed. See, it's not my fault. You're, you know, it's a disease you can't get over. That's why when you go to AA, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic, and I haven't drank in 10 years. 10 years of no drinking, yet I'm still an alcoholic. Because if you fail, it's not my fault. (laughs) We don't have a solution. Do you understand? You don't have to be an alcoholic with God. You don't have to be an addict with God. You don't have to stand up every week and say, I'm an alcoholic. (laughs) You can be set free, and you can be used of God, and you can identify as a person that is set at liberty by the power of Christ. Amen? Amen. And I think a Christian that's naming himself alcoholic every week is someone that's accepted a label to live the rest of their life in defeat. Amen? And that's why i got a real problem in this world today. They're labeling people. <laughs> Don't let them label you. Don't let them label your kids. These days they want to label your kids. Look what they've done. They started labeling kids years ago 
with little ADHD and this kind of thing, and they want to label them so they can never get over that. And now they're really labeling, oh, you're a her, you're a she, you're a him, you're a this. I'm telling you something, you're giving your kids over into their hands. And they're labeling them, making them what they want them to be. You let God do the labeling, amen? <laughs> can I just say that? <laughs> um, these men were called wise men or magicians that mixed up pagan mythology and witchcraft and science. So they'd have all these things mixed together. Sounds familiar. <laughs> we live in a world today, oh, they got science, but then all of a sudden you got these weird things going on. It's witchcraft involved in this. And no, we're not calling it witchcraft. Is it, you know, uh, yet it's not science. Yeah, they're calling it science, you know. We're living in a crazy day, <laughs> you know. Magicians, astrologers, one who profess to divine future events by the appearance of stars because they thought that the stars were gods and goddesses and they had power over human affairs. And so these men would look at stars and they'd try to manipulate the future and get answers and so forth. And we still have people doing that today. Uh, you go to the astrology or the um, horoscope page, and folks, I, I, have, I do not read my horoscope. <laughs> it's not mine. <laughs> Amen. Don't do it. If you have, renounce it. Never seek for guidance outside of Scripture. That's how Satan gets into your life. When you start seeking guidance uh, for healing, for power, for protection, any of those things, there's actually four major things that bring Satan into your life when you start seeking for something outside of God's direction. That's why even in Colossians it talks us not to voluntarily, you know, go into the spiritual world. <laughs> Don't do it. We only got one way to the spiritual world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. <laughs> you don't go any other way than that. I am the way. <laughs> Amen. You start touching other ways here, you're going on a different way than Christ. And that'll bring you into bondage. That gives Satan ground in your life. Amen. You don't do that. And that's what the astrologers represented. Sorcerers. These are those that followed witchcraft. Soothsaying. Of course, the Greek word for sorcerer in the Bible is phar pharmacy. It's where we get our word pharmacy from. Because they would use drugs and they would get themselves in a situation where they would have spiritual experiences through uh, hallucinations and so forth. And that's what the, uh, the native religion is made of. They go in the sweat lodges, they take drugs, they see things. I met one guy who thought he was Jesus Christ, and I asked him, I bet you've been to a sweat lodge, and that's where they told you that. And he says, yes. He was in a sweat lodge, and the demon told him he was Jesus Christ. I says, well, you ought not go there. And I began to tell him how important it was to follow the word of God. <laughs> you know, he began to weep cry he was broken and in bondage because he had given himself to demonic forces in his life he was so given over in the middle of winter minus 30 he was wearing sandals outside and he froze all of his toes i mean that's funny but man my goodness man how deceived do you have to be that's what demons do it's parlor tricks it's mockery they're not going to help you. <laughs> They're going to hurt you. They're going to destroy you. They're going to hurt your kids. They're going to hurt your grandkids. They want to destroy your whole family line. Amen? They're murderers. That's what sorcerers do. 
The, the group here called the Chaldeans just, just referred to a group of priestly people who were given to study the heavenly bodies. They, they were mathematicians, they were men of learning, they were men of science, very important men in the world. But number two, they were exposed as deceivers. And this is why the king said this. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever, tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. Here are these people. I'm connected to the heavenlies. I know the gods and the goddesses. I know the deep, darkest secrets of mankind here. And yet uh, they couldn't tell him something unless he told them first. I guess you're not so good at what you do. <laughs> Amen. And the king answered and said, the thing is gone from me. That means you're not going to get it from me. It's not like I'm trying to withhold it from you, but I can't remember it. So you have got to tell me what I, what I dreamed. And if you will not make known unto me the dream, well, the interpretation thereof, you shall be cut in pieces. That's motivation. It's like Kim Jong-un telling his weathermen to give him more accurate weather forecasts. <laughs> My goodness, man. Who in the world can do that? <laughs> Meanwhile, he just killed his uncle, <laughs> you know, for looking at him sideways. Wow. I don't want to be a weatherman in North Korea. <laughs> but you will not make known unto me the dream. There is but one decree for you, for you have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me till the time be changed. That means you just want me to tell you something so that you can begin to manipulate and twist and put your own rendering into this until the time be changed, until maybe I change my mind about killing you all. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me the interpretation thereof. Interesting. Then the Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. <laughs> Therefore there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asked such things at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. That's interesting too. Let's go to letter B. Is heavenly hope. Heavenly hope. I like what he says. There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there's no king, lord, nor ruler that asked such things at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. It is a rare thing that the king requireth. There is none other that can show it before the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. <laughs> Amen. So, what you have here is you have man admitting the limitations of man. And that's what they're admitting there. We've got limitations. No man can do this. And therefore, he says, because no man can do it, there is no king that has ever asked someone to do something like this. Isn't that interesting that the world knows that there are certain things they cannot do, certain limitations they, they, they know are there, and so they never ask the question about how to get past that line. So why are you here as Christians? You know what you're here for? To show the things that are past that line. That's why we ask questions that they can't ask. That's why we pray to the Lord for things that they cannot ask for. And I thought it was interesting because when, and I'm talking about this later, but when Daniel finally got word that they're all going to be killed, 
they, you know, they didn't ask him for interpretation. So he says, hold on there, you know. And so he goes to the guy that's supposed to execute everybody. And he says, hey, give me some time. And I'll come back to you with the answer. Now, what's Daniel wanting to do? He's wanting to pray. But you know what I didn't see from the astrologers and from the Chaldeans and from the soothsayers and from the sorcerers? Not one of them said, let me go ask my God. Not one of them said, oh, I need time to go seek the source of my truth. You know why? They had no source of truth. So a Christian always says, give me the time. (laughs) Because we're always seeking from the source of truth. We can learn a lot from that. It's a very important principle there. So number one, there was no man that could reveal the dream. No man. It's an impossible scenario for men. Number two, there was no man that logically could request to reveal the dream. And number three, there is a God that can do the impossible. We as Christians live in a limited world, but we have a limitless God that desires to show himself strong if we believe him. Amen? So the world is full of limitations. The sad thing is, is when we as believers are living within the limitations of man, and we never take ourselves out of those limitations. Because that's what's called in today's terminology within the Christian world, pragmatism. Well, we're just being pragmatic. We're just being real about our situation because you can't expect, da, 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 you've got this reasoning going on. No, what you're really doing is just, you're trying to look spiritual within the limitations of mankind. Amen? Instead of saying, you know what, I don't know what God can do, I don't know what he will do, but all I know is he can do it, and we're just going to ask him and put it all on him. Amen? Like Daniel, once again, took that step, just said, hey, give me time and I'll come with you. He's telling him, I'll get you an answer. He was going to get him an answer though he didn't know the answer. Because he was a man that was used to going outside the limit. Same with the pulse, remember? Chapter 1. He, he says, you give me pulse of water, we're going to be better than the rest of the guy. How did he know that? <laughs> there was a man that steps out of the limit. <laughs> That's the way we need to be. The wise men knew that there were things that only God can do. Letter B, Daniel revealed which God could do this impossible thing. This is the key. The key is, you got astrologers, you got magicians, you got all these people tied to all these different things that they say are so great and so powerful and so helpful. And there you are, you just simply have Jesus. So your job as a Christian is simply to say, you know what? I'm going to show you what Jesus can do. And then they're going to show you what they can do. And guess what's going to happen? Jesus will be glorified. That's why we're here. We're not here to live as men. (laughs) We're not here to live as the Chaldeans. We're here to live as Christians. Amen. We're supposed to get out of that limitation process. And so, so he says in verse 26, the king saith, answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded uh, cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven. 
that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. Bam. (laughs) There it is. Amen. Is there anything too hard for the Lord in Genesis 18 verse 14? It says, At the time appointed, I'll return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Amen. Isaac. Matthew 19, verse 25, when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed and saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So what he was doing, he was giving the men, he was giving the disciples a little lesson in the limitations of, of men. And he was showing them this rich man. He says, hey, this guy can't get saved no matter what. <laughs> He's not getting saved. They said, oh, well, who could be saved then? <laughs> well, I'm saying that he can't save himself, but God could save him. Yeah. With God, it's possible. But very difficult for rich men that depend upon themselves and are so self-reliant to find salvation. Number three, intercession secured. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven. A couple of times he mentioned the God of heaven. Why the God of heaven in this passage? Because we're talking about some pretty earthy things here. I mean, even the vision itself has to do with a statue of man, the kingdoms of the world and the empires of man and so forth. And he just counteracts that and contrasts that with a description of God saying the God of heaven. <laughs> he is beyond this. He's able to do something greater than what you can expect from this earth. Amen. It's quite a, a theme we start seeing through this chapter. Then it says, Desire the mercies of the God of heaven concerning the secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. So letter A, Daniel trusted the Lord would provide the interpretation of the dream. He trusted it. But he knew we needed to pray first. He knew we needed to ask God because he didn't have it within himself. So he didn't go there and say, oh, I know your answer. He knew that he'd go there and he says, I have to get the answer. See, this is where we have to be as Christians as well. Many times what we do is, oh, I got the answer. You got to stop thinking you know everything. <laughs> you got to stop thinking that you know the answer for everything and start taking a little break, step back and say, let me find out from the one that has the answer. Amen? So I think we get so full of ourselves sometimes, even as Christians, we think we know everything. We know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And we don't even take the time to stop and ask God what to do. But Daniel did. And Daniel, I'm sure, wow, was a pretty spiritual guy (laughs) that understand the Word of God. Amen? So in 1 Timothy 2, 1, it says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Notice the phrase, that first of all. First of all. So there always has to be that first of all praying about the situation. Letter B, Daniel and his friends turned to the Lord in prayer. 
So he went and found his companions, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven. And so that's why the Bible says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and shall be given him. Can I tell you something? Before you start asking everybody around what you should do in a situation, you ought first take God's promises to heart. You ought to first say, Lord, I would like some wisdom. I would like you to teach me. I have a lot of knowledge, and we all have knowledge, but wisdom is different than knowledge. Wisdom is the practical application of the knowledge that I know. Or maybe I need some more knowledge. Maybe he needs to give me some more knowledge. But ultimately, he needs to give me wisdom. So in a situation where I'm seeking the Lord and I'm needing help, I'm really needing wisdom. I'm needing to know what to do. What to do. Because it can be confusing in this world. Many times we don't know what to do. And he says, if any of you lack wisdom, pick me, pick me, pick me, or we all lack wisdom. And he says, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him, he says. Amen. So before you start going asking everybody, your friends, and what you ought to do, you ought to first ask the Lord. And if you're talking to your friends about it, why don't you tell them and say, could you please pray that the Lord would give me wisdom? You have a lot of friends. You know what they want to do? They want to tell you what to do. So that when you do it, they'll say, oh, I told them to do that. They're getting glory from it. But why don't you tell your friends to get the information from heaven? (laughs) And that way, nobody can take credit for it except for him. (laughs) Amen. And so that's what he's asking his friends to do. Letter C, Daniel blessed God for revealing the truth. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise, and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. So when he says he blessed God, so when you get an answer to the prayer, what you need to do is bless God. Bless God means to praise him in reverence. Praise him in reverence. You need to, number one, God, this is how Daniel praised him. He says, God changes the times and the seasons. He acknowledged that God has the power to change things, to change times. And you look at the scriptures, how many different ways and methods that God used throughout the history to enact his will toward mankind. He has the power to change it. Man doesn't. Some of us are all worried about Trudeau and the World Economic Forum. And boy, they're going to do this. See, what they're trying to do is change the times. What you need to understand is, they can't change any times. Do you understand that? Now, the God may let the devil use them to try to change the time. But think about this. Antichrist, who is the most powerful man controlled by Satan that has ever existed on this planet, can really only rule for three and a half years before he's done. Don't tell me for a second he's got power to t- change the times. Jesus Christ's going to set up his kingdom, and then he's going to start by ruling for a thousand years. And then he's going to change it into forever. Yeah. Amen. Amen? 
Don't worry about WEF. <laughs> Don't worry about Schwab. <laughs> Amen. Don't worry about Trudeau. Their days are all numbered. They cannot do a thing against God. You just keep turning to the one that has the power to change the times and the seasons. Amen. Number two, God removes and sets up kings. <laughs> the Lord gave us Trudeau. And the Lord will give us our next leader. Let's go to the Lord about it. Number three, God gives wisdom and knowledge to them that know understanding. To them that know understanding. Sorry about the no. I noticed I put a P in there. There's no P in no. <laughs> no understanding. God reveals the deep and secret things. Here's, this is very important because here I was just going to ask about uh, this dream that nobody seems to know on this planet. I'm sure glad that you know the secret things, God. He revealed what nobody knew. Number five, God knows what's in the darkness. Oh, I'm going to hide from God. You can't hide from him. <laughs> I've heard so many preachers, you know, go through the time in their life where they're running from God. Look at even Jonah, right? He went and jumped on a ship. Uh, he couldn't hide from God. God saw him in the darkness. You know, he got thrown off the ship into the whale's belly way down the deep of the sea. Guess who God saw there? God saw Jonah in that fish's belly. And when Jonah began to call out to God, guess who answered? The only one that could actually see him there, the one that could see in darkness, that is God himself. And he made the fish vomit him up on the shore. God has light dwelling with him as well. So he's the one that can turn the light on. Letter D, Daniel thanked God for the answer. He thanked God for the answer. This is so important that when we're seeking the Lord on something, we bless his name and then we thank him. Amen. We acknowledge what he did for us. What did you just do here? What, what did you overcome, Lord, by answering this prayer for us? How many times were you sick and the Lord made you better? How many times did you not have what you needed to uh, feed the family and the Lord sent what you needed? What did he have to do to make that happen? How far back did he initiate that plan before he even started praying? Amen? We got a great God. <laughs> These are all things that we need to understand as we're looking at this dream coming up here and how he's looking forward for generations and thousands of years. He's giving detail of what's going to happen even to this day with the Roman Empire. Very interesting. So Daniel thanked him in verse 23. I thank thee and praise thee, O God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might and hast made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. All he did is just say back to God what God already did and thanked him for it. I thank you, Lord, that you just provided that for me. You know, you didn't have to do that, but you did. Thank you, Lord, that you made it that I could get my car fixed. Practical things. Thank you, Lord, that you made known unto us the king's matter. We've got to be more thankful. All I know is if we're belly aching about our life, we're probably not praying right. If we're belly aching about our situation, we're not praying right. <laughs> we're not getting a hold of God. We're not seeking him. You know, we don't trust him. Now, it's 8 o'clock. 
I think I'm going to wait till next week on this point. Let's do that. And we'll get back to the interpretation solved next week. And we'll get into some very interesting things about this great image, uh, this dream that's going to be interpreted. All right. So some good practical things for us to take into account before we get into that.